I've been obsessed with culture ever since I started my career. I was very fortunate to be part of a startup in which I got to see culture born. And it was a beautiful, healthy culture. And I took for granted, I thought everywhere is like this. It it turns out not so. (laughs) So then I've tried, you know, I went on other projects and I saw places where the culture was fabulous, other places where the culture was not so healthy. And I started to realize this doesn't happen by accident. This is very much by design. So then my career kind of went in that direction. And the more that I started to think about culture and how you build it by, you know, by this design, I started to see that communication kept rearing its head. And that is today my new obsession. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR podcast. I think that the past 14 months with this COVID craziness has created new obsessions in some people. And some of them have become obsessed with uh, building better cultures, uh, creating hybrid workplaces, architecting better human experience and employee experience. And some of the people have become obsessed with communication as part of the larger concept of culture. And that's what we are going to be chatting about with Aisha today. She has been in the HR space for a long time, leading HR, people analytics, diversity strategy. Um, So Aisha, it's a privilege to have you with me today. How are you doing? I am well, Enrique. Thank you so much. Well, tell me about that obsession now with communications as part of this bigger concept of corporate culture. Yeah, you know, I've been obsessed with culture ever since I started my career. I was very fortunate to be part of a startup in which I got to see culture born. And it was a beautiful, healthy culture. And I took for granted, I thought everywhere is like this. It it turns out not so. So then I've tried, you know, I went on other projects and I saw places where the culture was fabulous, other places where the culture was not so healthy. And I started to realize this doesn't happen by accident. This is very much by design. So then my career kind of went in that direction. And the more that I started to think about culture and how you build it by, you know, by this design, I started to see that communication kept rearing its head. And that is today my new obsession. Well, that, um, that, that is fantastic. Yeah. And um, I, think, I think we have to break down a, a number of concepts in here and Let's go from the from the broader perspective into communications. Let's begin by defining a little, uh, you know, digging a little deeper into what a healthy culture is. I would love to hear your thoughts about what you think a healthy culture looks like. You know, I'm so glad you asked that because there, and I tell this to some of my clients, there is not one correct fit for everybody. Um, You know, depending on your geographic context, the type of work that you do, the type of, um, you know, skill level that you hire, you're going to have a very unique culture and that's okay. But I think there is a common thread um, that all healthy cultures have, and that is people feel heard, people feel valued and respected. And so that without those core elements, you can't have a healthy culture. Absolutely. I love that. People feel valued and respected. Um, and it's just such a human thing to do. And, and, and at the end of the day, you know, we, we find very often some of the obstacles to architecting a great culture, like, you know, how much money that's going to cost or 
you know, uh, how much time we're going to spend doing some of these things, but making people feel valued and respected, treating them with dignity, that really doesn't cost any money. It's just, you know, and it shouldn't even cost any time. It should be just the natural way the organization works, right? Yes. And I love that you said that because the truth is it doesn't cost anything um, to build the correct basics. What it does cost you is time. Because if I don't know you as a person, I haven't taken that time. How am I going to know what your intrinsic motivators are? Mm. Right. We know all of the things like, you know, salary, perks, all of that fun stuff. But the truth is all of those extrinsic motivators are wonderful, but they can be replicated elsewhere. But if you feel valued as a person, that necessarily is not replicatable. I'll give you a small example. I am in Philadelphia right now, and I was walking down the street. I was in a big hurry because I had to go to a meeting, and I saw a homeless gentleman sitting on the street. I had nothing to give him at the time, but I smiled and said, good morning. And his smile was so beautiful and huge. That cost me nothing right? So if you can do it in your everyday life, imagine the impact that you could have if you have an organization where it literally starts to trickle down as like almost like a wave. So it's something that you need to believe in. It's something that you have to build the basics for because I could give you a million dollars. I could give you the best technology, but you haven't taken the time to understand who are my people, what's important to them as a collective and as individuals sometimes, or, or subgroups. And we could talk about how to divide them up. But if you haven't taken that time, what if you're trying to fit them in the, you know, the square, the square peg in the round hole? It doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. Yeah. You said two things that are fascinating to me. Uh, one of them is you can find the money and the technology anywhere, but not the culture. So culture can't be replicated. And the other thing that you said was that this, a great culture doesn't happen by accident. It happens by design. It's an intentional design. And those two things are so important uh, because that means that you have to architect the culture. You, you can't just let it happen. You have to architect it. And, then, and we know there are some pieces of the culture that, uh, you, you know, sort of emerge as you bring new employees, as you shift, you know, some of your uh, goals and, and depending on the generations that are working together, but you, as, especially as a nature professional and as a business leader, you have to architect that culture. So let's dig a little deeper, specifically into the area of communication within the non-replicable or replicatable uh, area of uh, culture. How, how do we architect great communication for an organization? Okay, well, you know, I I love what you said. The truth is that you have to have an intelligent design behind your healthy culture, right? But that doesn't mean that your organization will be void of a culture just waiting around for you to bring this beautiful thing to life. Culture will happen when groups of people get together. So this is where communication really comes in. Whether you are a new person joining an organization who's tasked with building the culture or you're already there and you need to transform it um, or you're building it from scratch, you need to first be able to identify what is the culture that we want as an organization, right? And then once that is defined, then you start to talk about, well, how are we going to now communicate what this looks like in the way that we walk, the way that we talk, the way that we treat each other, the way that we pay each other, the way that, you know, all of it goes down the line. And then you need to make sure that you not only teach your people how to 
behave and speak and um, and you know reward them for what is culturally acceptable and non-acceptable, um, you need to constantly reinforce it. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things like if you, you know, you don't use it, you lose it. I used to know how to ride a bike when I was a kid, believe it or not. I don't anymore because I stopped <laughs> riding. Um, and it's one of those things where once you, once you get on, you have to, you know, okay, I have to try this again. So with culture, communication is key. And I think we need to back up because what I've seen with a lot of the people that I work with is they actually understand the cascading of culture. Yeah. Right. They understand that once we have it, these are the, you know, we ha- we should have, for example, focus groups and we should have whatever to kind of cascade what it means. But I would say, take a step back. How was this culture decided? How were your vision, mission and values decided? Was it a bunch of high level executives in a room saying, this is who we think we are? Or was it a group of people who are representative of everybody that you're going to touch your workforce as well as your customer? Yeah. And those Elements are much more powerful and much more longer lasting um, if you can kind of get a collective voice in the room. So once you have that voice, you then communicate it and use your various methods of communication. Don't send out an email if your company doesn't check emails. Um, You know, figure out what works for your people. And again, it goes back to, did I make the time to get to know my people and figure out how to communicate with them? Uh, Absolutely. And and, you know, one one thing that somewhat emerged during the pandemic is how um, I don't want to I don't want to say lousy, but how um, half baked, uh, not wonderful, <laughs> not wo- how not wonderful, how not wonderful our communication uh, uh, works because it's so based uh, not only on on being in an office, but at the same time it is very wor- work oriented uh, and and there's less humanity in that communication. And one thing that the past 16 months in the pandemic has shown us is that that, that communication to be, to really define a strong culture also has to be human. It just, it can't be only work. It also has to be the empathetic, active listening kind of communication that, well, you know, we need to hear what others are going through. You know, the fact is it, the communication has to be real. If yeah. I'm talking to my puppy, I'm going to talk <laughs> to him a different way than I'm talking to my son, correct? Yeah. So we as humans understand that. I'll give you a little story. My sister recently moved from California to Iowa and she was doing um, you know, her job searches and whatnot. And I remember her, her journey through some you know, acceptance and some rejection. And <laughs> it was so funny because the rejection letters that said, Thank you for applying. You know, uh, at this time, you are not fit. That it felt dismissive, and yeah. I remember my sister being so excited about the rejection letters. By the way, that were really cool and like, "Hey, you're awesome! Thanks for taking the time. We can't fit you right now, but good luck." Yeah, because you feel like your humanity is being appreciated. Yeah. Um, nobody worry out there. She's got a job. She's all good now. But I mean. <laughs> It, this really, it, it really struck me because I'm like, this is a, a rejection letter should not be something positive. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is one was communicated in a very non-human, very distant way. And the other was personal. You felt like yeah. you were getting a letter from a friend, yeah. both with the same message, but different methods of communicating. And one left you feeling good about yourself. 
Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I totally get it. And actually, it's reminding me, you know, we have the Hacking Nature Lab, our platform. And when people sign up, I created a message, you know, pretty much fitting, you know, the way I address things, which is very informal and, you know, excitement about everything. And the email says like, wow, thank you so much, Aisha, for being here, blah, blah, blah. And somebody responded saying like, I'm not going to become premium yet, but this is the best welcoming message ever. And what I was thinking is like, it does not have to be dry. It does not have to be inhuman. I mean, you, you, I, I, you can, you can be human and everybody will appreciate that. Even if it's in rejecting, you know, an application or, or something else. So I love yes. this. I, I love the, the, the genuineness, the authenticity, the humanity behind this uh, process of communication. I think it also comes down to there's a level of vulnerability that comes with this. There is an old school mentality that in order to show professionalism and power and authority, you have to speak like this. And nobody speaks like that, you know, at home with our families. And I think that once you can trust yourself enough to be vulnerable with your people, be truthful with them. Very honest. I'm not saying you should sugarcoat anything, mm. but you can speak to them like they're people. Yeah. And they're much more likely to take a message, good or bad, in a much better way. Yeah, I, I love that, you know, because it's it's making me think how much we have to fake uh, things to blend in, you know, uh, if, if not succeed, at, at least blend in in the workplace because we end up, dressing how we don't dress ever we end up talking how we never talk we end up behaving how we never behave because that's the traditional accepted way it's of, the culture it's the culture exactly mm-hmm. and it's it, it honestly is so hard to believe it's like dr jekyll and mr Hyde, right i mean it's living two lives uh you know the life that you have in your personal life and the life that you have to live at work because that's what's accepted and i it would be awesome you said it before you know if we can connect uh, you know, this culture with the way people are, with what they want, um, you know, with what comes naturally to them. Look, I think we have to be, we have to be clear. Remember in the beginning, I talked about understanding what kind of culture you want as an yeah. organization, right? It may be that that very formal culture is something that is appreciated yeah. and, and needed in your area. And that's fine. There is no right or wrong, yeah. but you need to identify what it is and then be true to it. Yeah. Because if culture is done correctly and communication of that culture is done correctly through your press releases, through your hiring process, through your re- rewards and recognition, culture and the proper communication of that culture should help you actually select the right candidates yeah. and help people self-select out of your culture. People yeah. who don't fit. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, and, you know, part of the many conversations that I've been having with HR leaders recently is precisely about that, you know, telling people for things like along the lines of, you know, I mean, right now we're working from home because we are in pandemic time, but whenever this is over, everybody will have to come to the office because that's the culture that we have. I mean, is it right or wrong? No, it's just the way we are. And that will prevent some people from participating in that workplace. And it will attract others that are seeking that kind of culture. And and, And that's okay. And that's okay. You know, the, the big challenge that sometimes we have, I know myself, I've been guilty of in the past is you meet a candidate, you really want them. And so you'll, you won't necessarily lie, but you'll try to make things sound as, as great as they can for that person. Yeah. But the truth is, if you do that, 
the reality will come either way yeah. and you might lose them or you may, they, even worse, they might become disengaged yeah. and then become, you know, a, a detractor. And so I think we need to, again, be aware of who we are as an organization, what we want, communicate that. And importantly, that we do it at every level, right? When you're interviewing, when you're searching for candidates, um, when you're running campaigns to attract people, you have to communicate that message clearly and authentically. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Aisha, this has been a great conversation. We can talk for hours about this. And, uh, you know, it's just fascinating going back to what you said before, how to intentionally design a healthy culture that works for the values and the outcomes that the organization is trying to achieve. So thank you so much for spending this time with me. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Hacking HR Podcast. I'll see you all soon. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.